Ron was sharing in uh, 1 John chapter 3. One of the things that I'm reminded of, and it uh, kind of hit me around the corner with a, a bit of emotion when he read it, it's always been the goodness of God that's led us to repentance. Amen. Hellfire preaching has its place, and warning people of the impending judgment has its place. Hey, Jesus spoke about hell more than anybody else. But have you ever noticed what's the thing that leads you back to Jesus? His goodness. His mercy. His grace. And one of the things that the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews tells Jewish Christians is the fact that Jesus is our high priest and serves as the most superior and the highest of priests because he's been tempted at every point, just like we were, but didn't sin once. And so he feels our infirmities, the Bible says. And sometimes what I've noticed is that, especially when we want to have like kind of a, a more of a victorious message about us being able to overcome and for us being able to get through things like, like trauma and struggle, we always say Jesus is our example of victory, right? But Jesus is also our ultimate example of how to struggle. Jesus went through stuff. Jesus experienced things. Jesus had emotions that weren't just positive. It wasn't just a message of, hey, 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 you can win. It was the idea that Jesus sometimes knew what it meant to go through intense trauma. And in Matthew chapter 26, and beginning in verse 36, and we're going to read down to verse uh, 39, here's what the Bible says. Then Jesus came with him. To a place called, put them to a place called Gethsemane, and he told his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. Taking along Peter and two of the sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. I want you to think about that phrase Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who could have called angels, who could have wiped out the entire Roman Empire who could have set himself up on the throne of authority right then and there. He says at this moment of his life, he's sorrowful and he's full of trouble. Jesus says to them, I'm deeply <clears throat> grieved. <clears throat> to the point of what? Yeah. Yeah. Death. Remain here and stay awake with me. Going a little farther, he fell, he fell face down and prayed. My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Father, I ask that you help us. As you, you and I think about, as we think about the fact that sometimes we're just not going to be okay. Everything's not going to be peachy. There's going to be moments of intense struggle and trial. And trauma that we're trying to invite you into, Lord, to speak to us. Lord, help us not to just want the pain to go away. Lord, help us realize from your word how an experience of understanding your struggles is what gives us the peace that we need. So, Lord, bless your word. Bless the preaching of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't know about you, but the past two years have been rough. 
And you know, I think it's funny because now it's becoming cliche. We blame everything on 2020, right? Doesn't matter what it is, it's COVID's fault. But for some of us, we've been going through things even before 2020 ever came around. And it's now 2021 and we're still going through a bunch of stuff that was started before 2020. But yet we want to focus for some reason on this year as being this is why everything changed. And once you and I get beyond trying to look at the climate or the circumstances that are surrounding everything in the world, and you really want to start, you know, opening up the hood and seeing what's going on with us and peeling the onion and really getting inside, we realize that a lot of the struggles that we're going through are things that we're still not healed of yet, right? And sometimes, isn't that just kind of what we want? We want everything just to be better. We want to have everything as distant memories and we just want to move on. And sometimes we're not fully experiencing the season that we're in because we want to get to the next one. And the only reason why you and I have made flowers is because of April showers, right? <laughs> so if you and I are really going to understand what it means to be at peace in the middle of a storm, the only one that I know that's ever experienced that is Jesus. In the middle of storms, Jesus has always been our example. And sometimes we want to have the power of Jesus in our life, but we don't want to experience, like Paul says, the fellowship of his, of his sufferings. And if you realize what, what the Apostle Paul is speaking about it in Philippians, that's this whole theme of joy that he has begins with him understanding what Jesus suffered. And man, if we could get that and be able to hone in on what happens, especially here in Matthew 26, and we're going to go look at a couple of other portions of Scripture, Psalm 34 and then John 14. I want us to just see the big idea of, is this, that... If we understand the struggles of Jesus and the peace that he can give us, I don't, I, I don't want you to get this false idea that I'm going to say. The next thing is that if you understand Jesus and his struggles and his peace, everything's going to be fine. Okay, I don't want to be Debbie Downer this morning. But you and I know that's not true, right? When we experience the struggles and understand what Jesus went through and we get the peace that comes from him... What it allows us to do at that point, it opens up the floodgate for us to invite God into what we're experiencing. That's the real victory. Not that everything is over, not that we now get to enter a new season, but that we finally know what it means to invite God into our current circumstances. Because that's the real victory. And when we invite God into our current circumstances and be able to allow him to speak into our life, when we get to that place in our spiritual journey, what we understand is not only is God with us, he's never left us, but this is one of the things that a believer is able and equipped to do, to persevere through things. One of the hallmarks of Christianity, one of the hallmarks of your faith in Jesus isn't victory. Do you know what it is? Perseverance. Because the victory belongs to Jesus, not to you. So that, that's his thing. Don't take his thing. He's the one that's victorious. You're only victorious because Jesus is victorious. But he's given you the gift of perseverance. The righteous man falls seven times and he gets back up. 
That's what we have in Jesus. Anybody who tells you that life is always going to be victorious and you're never going to have a bad day because you're with Jesus is, is baloney. They're lying to you. It's a lie of the devil. Jesus had bad days and he experiences this. But I'm so thankful for the word of God that allows us to see the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And that God moved men like Matthew and men like the psalmist and, and men like John to write down the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Right? Because we see, we get to see. And then Jesus, not only because of the narration that we know he's sorrowful, Jesus flat out says, I'm not doing well. To the point of death. You know, guys, some of the biggest strides that you've made in your spiritual life here is being able to tell somebody else that you're not doing well. You know that, right? Being able to open up instead of trying to suck it up and just being able to tell your brother and tell your counselor and tell your chaplains and then be able to share with one another. Isn't it so freeing when we all just can say to one another, I'm not okay? That this is a safe place that we can say that. Thank God for moments like that. And Jesus had one with his disciples and he, and he told them how he was feeling. The first thing I want you to see is this. When we understand that we have a friend in Jesus and that he had moments of him not being okay, we can be honest with God about that. And I think some of us, one of, one of the, the biggest things that we struggle with is being honest with God in a spiritually timely fashion. You know when we get honest with God? When we went everywhere else and nothing else worked. Then we finally go to God. If we can back that up and recognize that God is not just our 911 call, that God is our refuge and our strength and our present help in trouble, when we get to that moment, then you and I can have these moments of just elation of being in the presence of God. So let's read. What was going on in Matthew chapter 26. So I'm just going to kind of skim what's happened so far in this chapter. Verses 1 to, to 5, there's a plot to kill Jesus. You know, typical Tuesday, right? <laughs> People are after him. There's this anointing at Bethany where there's this woman who approaches him with this alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, and, 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 they, and, and she, she, she puts it, she pours it, and she anoints Jesus, and, and some of the, the, the uh, disciples get upset. Why would you, why would you waste the, the money, something so expensive like that? And he starts to tell them that they don't understand what's about to happen. He then goes uh, over Passover, and in Passover, they're, they're getting together for this Last Supper, and Judas Iscariot is beginning to set up this, this, uh, this attempt to get Jesus arrested, and he's going to betray him. During the Passover meal, this, this Last Supper, Jesus tells Peter that you're going to deny me three times. And Peter denies that and says, no, there's no way I'd ever leave you. Jesus, in the midst of all this, from the very beginning, Jesus understands that it is his responsibility, it is his sole purpose in life to do what? Die for our sins. And for 30 years, he was quiet. And for these last three and a half years of his life, there was times of intense ministry when he went public. And there were, there were these moments of, of great joy where people came to understand that he was the Messiah. Moments of miracles being performed and moments of great grief. And this is one of those things. So you think about just, just the compiling of all the things that's going on with Jesus and in his humanity. 
He says, I'm deeply grieved. What I want you to see first about uh, verse 36 is the fact that Jesus leaves and he goes to Gethsemane and he tells his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. Now, even though he's telling them to sit there and he's going to go pray, the first thing that, I, that Jesus did that I think is significant about his struggle is that he did not, even the Son of God did not go through this struggle by himself. He had people there. Now, for us, in divine wisdom, was this to teach them something? Was this to show them? Obviously, of course. But to notice, it also sets up the example that others are invited into this. So he takes along Peter. And he takes along James and John. And so, as he's with them, the Bible puts it this way. He began to be sorrowful and troubled. So it's kind of as, as they're moving along, going towards this moment, the, the, the trial and the struggle, the emotions of it, the trauma of it, becomes more intense to the point that now it's visible. They can see it, that there's something going on. He's deeply troubled. And he says to them, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't wipe away his eyes, I'm good, I'm good. No, he says this, I'm deeply grieved to the point of death. Now, some commentators, some guys who write uh, truth about the Word of God, men that are way smarter than I, they say that this is him looking forward to the fact that he's going to die, so he's projecting, I'm grieved because of death. And if you read it, literally, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, at this moment, right here, I'm so upset, I want to what? Die. die. Have you been there? The moment where you think life would be better if you just wasn't here? There, there comes these moments, guys, and I know that a lot of us have experienced it where we just want it to end. This is what the Son of God, Jesus, who is 100% man and 100% God, at the same time feels this deep grief in his life and he shares it with someone. You see, this is the, the, one of those moments where you and I have to understand, in order for us to, to finally get some relief and to see this perseverance take shape in our life, you and I have to understand that when we invite people in, it's for them to understand that we are not perfect. The one who is perfect invites people in. We need help. He shows them what, what he's going through. I have deep sorrow. Perseverance comes when we invite people in. He tells them to do this. He says, remain here and stay awake with me. Now, we know in verse 40, they fell asleep. Jesus knew they were going to fall asleep. But he wants them to, there to experience this. Going a little farther, he fell face down. This is what I want us to, to really see. And he prayed, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. So you think about just, just the compiling of all the things that's going on with Jesus and in his humanity. He says, I'm deeply grieved. What I want you to see first about uh, verse 36 is the fact that Jesus leaves and he goes to Gethsemane and he tells his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. Now, 
even though he's telling them to sit there and he's going to go pray, the first thing that, I, that Jesus did that I think is significant about his struggle is that he did not, even the Son of God did not go through this struggle by himself. He had people there. Now, for us, in divine wisdom, was this to teach them something? Was this to show them? Obviously, of course. But to notice, it also sets up the example that others are invited into this. So he takes along Peter. And he takes along James and John. And so as he's with them, the Bible puts it this way. He began to be sorrowful and troubled. So it's kind of as, as they're moving along, going towards this moment, the, the, the trial and the struggle, the emotions of it, the trauma of it, becomes more intense to the point that now it's visible. They can see it. That there's something going on. He's deeply troubled. And he says to them, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't wipe away his eyes, I'm good, I'm good. No, he says this, I'm deeply grieved to the point of death. Now, some commentators, some guys who write uh, truth about the Word of God, men that are way smarter than I, they say that this is him looking forward to the fact that he's going to die, so he's projecting, I'm grieved because of death. And if you read it, literally, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, at this moment, right here, I'm so upset, I want to what? Die. die. Have you been there? The moment where you think life would be better if you just wasn't here? There, there comes these moments, guys, and I know that a lot of us have experienced it where we just want it to end. This is what the Son of God, Jesus, who is 100% man and 100% God, at the same time feels this deep grief in his life and he shares it with someone. You see, this is the, the, one of those moments where you and I have to understand, in order for us to, to finally get some relief and to see this perseverance take shape in our life, you and I have to understand that when we invite people in, it's for them to understand that we are not perfect. The one who is perfect invites people in. We need help. He shows them what, what he's going through. I have deep sorrow. Perseverance comes when we invite people in. He tells them to do this. He says, remain here and stay awake with me. Now we know in verse 40 they fell asleep. Jesus knew they were going to fall asleep. But he wants them to, there to experience this. Going a little farther, he fell face down. This is what I want us to, to really see. And he prayed, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Okay, so to recap, he's very grieved at this moment in time, to the point that he tells the disciples that I'm deeply grieved to the point of death. He's completely exhausted at, at this moment, and he tells them, uh, stay with me, right? And so he goes a little bit further, and now he talks to God directly. So it's kind of as, as they're moving along, going towards this moment, the, the, the trial and the struggle, the emotions of it, the trauma of it, becomes more intense to the point that now it's visible. They can see it, that there's something going on. He's deeply troubled. And he says to them, he doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't wipe away his eyes, I'm good, I'm good. No, he says this, I'm deeply grieved to the point of death. 
Now, some commentators, some guys who write uh, truth about the Word of God, men that are way smarter than I, they say that this is him looking forward to the fact that he's going to die, so he's projecting, I'm grieved because of death. And if you read it literally, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, at this moment, right here, I'm so upset, I want to what? Die. die. Have you been there? The moment where you think life would be better if you just wasn't here? There, there comes these moments, guys, and I know that a lot of us have experienced it where we just want it to end. This is what the Son of God, Jesus, who is 100% man and 100% God, at the same time feels this deep grief in his life and he shares it with someone. You see, this is the, the, one of those moments where you and I have to understand, in order for us to, to finally get some relief and to see this perseverance take shape in our life, you and I have to understand that when we invite people in, it's for them to understand that we are not perfect. The one who is perfect invites people in. We need help. He shows them what, what he's going through. I have deep sorrow. Perseverance comes when we invite people in. He tells them to do this. He says, remain here and stay awake with me. Now we know in verse 40 they fell asleep. Jesus knew they were going to fall asleep. But he wants them to, there to experience this. Going a little farther, he fell face down. This is what I want us to, to really see. And he prayed, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Okay, so to recap, he's very grieved at this moment in time, to the point that he tells the disciples that I'm deeply grieved to the point of death. He's completely exhausted at, at this moment. And he tells them, uh, stay with me, right? And so he goes a little bit further, and now he talks to God directly. And here's what he says. God, he says, if it's possible, let this come past me. Now, again, a lot of commentators, and I've heard great messages on this, that say that this is him saying, if this is his humanity going, if there's any other way, if I don't have to die on the cross, Please take it away, but I'm going to do your will anyway. Do you think the Son of God, who his entire life depended on our salvation by him dying on the cross, at the last moment we go, hey, maybe we don't have to do it this way? Hey, I just thought that. Maybe we can, you know. He's asking God at this moment to take away this grief and agony. He's not talking about the cross. He's talking about the present struggle that he's in. The cup that he's talking about is this deep grief. And here's where this perseverance comes into play. The Son of God says this. He says, if, 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 I, if this can pass, if this cup can pass, this, this sorrow that I feel to the point of death, if you can take this sorrow away, Lord, please do it. But if it's your will that I have this current trauma... Your will be done. That's what I want us to see. Not that the entire plan from eternity past. Hey dad, can that change? No. This is the struggle of the humanness of Jesus saying, if there's any way 
that right now I cannot feel this way. Please, Father, take it away from me. And he goes, but, and this is where his divinity comes in. This is where our spirituality comes in. But God, if it's your will for me to go through this, your will is way more important than mine is. When we understand who Jesus is and we understand his struggles, we then have the ability to understand what perseverance is. And what is perseverance? What gives us this, this ability to move forward, this ability to continue on, is understanding that it's not our will, but it's God's will that needs to be accomplished. So perseverance has a lot to do with humility, doesn't it? To understand that even this, and I don't take this lightly, and I want you to take, I, you know how much I love you, right? Our trauma isn't about us, ultimately. Our trauma is about how God will get glory as he helps us persevere through it. Your graduation, guys, gets God glory, not you. Right? Our cheering for you, our standing ovations are for God because of what he's doing through you. We're nothing without him. And the more you get into God's word, you recognize the more nothing you are. It's easy when you recognize you're nothing. Everybody thinks that's the hardest thing in the world. The easiest thing in the world is to recognize that I'm nothing and he's everything. Because at that point, it ain't my fault. It's his Right? We carry this burden that we don't need to be carrying in our life. And so I want to go a little bit further. In verse 40, it says, Then he came to the disciples, he found them sleeping. He asked Peter, So you couldn't stay awake with me for one hour? Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. And this is, this is what he says. And sometimes we quote this part of the verse without recognizing the context. The Spirit is willing. But the flesh is weak. A second time, Jesus went and he prayed, My Father, if this, this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. This grief wasn't something that was just uh, a, a moment in time. You notice, it, it, even he gets up, he has time to rebuke Peter for falling asleep. He goes back into prayer and he's, still, he's not feeling any better at all. He says, God, it's still here. If you can take this away, nevertheless, again, what? Your will be done, not mine. So part of perseverance isn't just us getting through the short-term struggle. Perseverance is us carrying a burden for a long period of time. You see, that's one of the things that uh, has to happen in what we call like a spiritual intestinal fortitude, that you have this strength inside of you that recognizes that things are not going to pass as fast as you want. So instead of wanting them to pass, you learn how to invite God into those things. The nation of Israel experienced this. In the Old Testament, remember they would, uh, you know, they would sin, God would judge them, they would repent, God would send somebody to rescue them, and the cycle would go over and over and over again, right? To the point that, remember, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, they both got put into exile. They were kicked out of the promised land, right? When they're in the promised land, God tells them something through the prophets. He says this, hey, plant crops, live your lives, have kids. 
Pray for the peace of the city. You're going to be here for a while. He tells Moses, you're going to lead this nation for 40 years in the wilderness, and you're not going to go inside. You see, sometimes God is more concerned about us understanding what perseverance is in the journey for us than us reaching the finish line. And sometimes we just want to cast vision and say, life is going to be better five years from now when I'm out of debt, when, when my marriage is better, when I can celebrate five years of being clean, all these things. That's when life's going to be okay. And God is like, no, no, no. Life can be that right now. We can have this journey now. We don't look for the experiences that are going to happen later. What's God doing right now? And that's where Jesus is right now. So the first thing I want us to, wanted us to see, just to kind of recap on that, is the fact that, that this understanding the struggles of Jesus gives us peace. And when we have this friend and we understand that we have a friend like Jesus, it is okay to have moments so that we can speak to people. You know, I was thinking about, um, I don't know, it's probably it's not the most spiritual thing in the world, but I'm like a, a big Marvel geek. So I've watched, I have like all the comics and everything. I've seen every Marvel movie. And there's one movie, the last one, Avengers, uh, Avengers Endgame, right? Where it was all done. And it's like five years later, half the world's gone. And it's like, they're trying to figure out how can they bring everybody back. And uh, you have Iron Man and you have Hulk and they go visit Thor, right? And Thor is in this little town in Sweden that they made kind of like the, the new town where all these people are. And they find Thor. And if you ever seen a picture of Chris Helmut as Thor, he's jacked, right? When they find Thor, he has this big fat belly, he's drinking beer, he's drunk, he's playing Xbox online, he's like playing with these little kids in Korea, he's like yelling at them, he's a mess, right? And so they go and they're like, Thor, what happened to you? And he's like, I'm fine, don't I look fine? And they're looking like, no, you're not. And sometimes we have to have those moments where we can go to somebody else, I'm fine, don't I look okay? We gotta be able to hear, nah, dude, you don't. You don't look okay. You're doing really bad. This is the point of bringing people in. You have to have people that are in that inner circle that you trust to tell you that, no, you're not okay. So that you can finally say, you know, Lord, I'm struggling. I'm not okay with what I'm going through. Jesus said, my soul is very sorrowful to the point of death. It's easy for us to say when people ask us, what? I'm blessed. Everything's great. You know, we, we use the weather as an excuse. Hey, it's a great day, and we're like dying inside. Sometimes, you know, we have to realize that in such pain that we need the strength of other people in order to help us. We have to have, and this is the way it works. If you say this, I, I find it really difficult to make friends. Sometimes for a believer, the reason why it's difficult for us to make friends is because we haven't realized how much of a friend we have in Jesus. Because when we recognize that our ultimate friend, the friend that sticks closer than a brother, when we realize that Jesus Christ is that friend, we then are able to understand that Jesus has other relationships with people that are exactly the same. Our fellowship with one another is because of our fellowship with who? Jesus. Right? So once we have our fellowship with Jesus down, that's what allows us then to have fellowship with other people and invite them into what we're going through. So once we understand we have that friend, we understand that we have others that we can trust as well. Let's go to Psalm 34, please. Psalm 34, and we're going to begin in verse 15. Psalm 
We're going to talk about how peace and perseverance goes together to close up. This is what the psalmist says in verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry for help. The face of the Lord is set against those who do what is evil, to remove all memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears, and rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is near the brokenhearted, and he saves those in a crushed spirit. One who is righteous has many adversaries, but the Lord rescues him from, all, from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Evil brings death to the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be punished. The Lord redeems the life of his servants, and all who take refuge in him will not be punished. So there's this peace that comes understanding how much God fights for you. See, this is the peace that I think sometimes we're, we want. We think peace always it has this synonym of tranquility to it. And this is what we see it on the outside. We see, man, that person has peace. How, how is there no storm going on in his life right now? Not recognizing that God is fighting his battles. You never thought about the fact that whenever we are, you know, when we have, when we go to war and we send our boys into harm's way, we're watching it on CNN, but we're nowhere near the, the front line. And we're worried for them, but we have peace at home because they're fighting for us. Jesus is fighting for you every moment of the day. There's a spiritual battle going behind the scenes that God is winning on your behalf. And that's what gives you peace. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. He, he, his ears are open to the cry for help. The reason we have peace and we can persevere is because we know that God listens to us and God sees us. Have you ever recognized that you may not hear God or see Him, but He sees you and He hears you? Sometimes, doesn't He seem so distant and so far? Brothers, He hasn't moved. He continues to work. And those moments that you feel where God is far away, that's usually when He's the closest because He's fighting to get you to understand that your perspective is off. He hasn't moved. The face of the Lord, while, he, while He's listening to you, while He sees you, at the same time, He's fighting against those who want to do evil against you. The righteous cry out, God hears, and He rescues them from all their troubles. God, Our God isn't the thoughts and prayers God. Our God is the, the God that answers our prayers. Our God isn't the one from the distance going, oh, I hope everything's okay. He's fighting every moment. To make sure that you have the ability, through the power of God, to be in the center of His will. He has given you everything that you need in Christ Jesus to live for Him. That is the fight that He's winning for you. The Lord is near the broken heart. Why? Because it always sometimes doesn't work out right. Just because God's fighting doesn't mean it doesn't hurt you. He saves those crushed in spirit. That 
phrase, crushed in spirit, is the, the Hebrew equivalent to what's used, what Jesus says in the New Testament in the Greek. It's the same, the, the, this deeply grieved, right, to the point of death. Another way to say that, and in the psalmist's term, is crushed in spirit. That it's basically smushed spiritually. That, that there's nowhere more to go. I have, imagine being at your rock bottom with pressure. That's where he is. And so God hears the prayer of those who have these broken hearts. He saves those of a crushed spirit. Now the word saved there is the same word that in the previous verse says we, we translated rescues. So this idea of Jesus, this is one of the, my favorite terms for Jesus is Jesus being my redeemer. And so it's not just that Jesus, because you know always say redeem the time that Jesus buys back. Jesus is my rescuer. He literally is my rescuer. He, he rescued you. You were drowning. And he's the one that establishes your feet and puts you on higher ground. He's the one that gets you out of the miry clay. He rescues you. So this peace, this perseverance comes because he is the one that fights for us. Verse 19. One who is righteous has many adversaries. But the Lord rescues him from them all. The closer you get to understanding Jesus as a friend, and the closer you get to understanding that friend offers peace, and that peace is what translates into us having a long-term view of perseverance, there will be roadblocks in the way. There will be people, there will be adversaries, both spiritual and physical, that will try to stop this progress in your life. This is why perseverance is the long-haul term. You know, sometimes we think we have haters, but it's just that people hate us because we're jerks. You know what I mean? Like, that's, this is not that. This is not the people who don't like you because, you know, you've been a jerk in your past, right? Those are the ones we have to make amends with and get right, right? What we're talking about are people who literally are like, I don't like what God is doing in that person's life, and so I'm going to do this. Satan doesn't like that, you know, you are, you have Jesus winning in your life, and so he'll do any, if, if he saved your soul, and he can't take that away, he's really going to try to mess up your life. And so as you go through this long road of perseverance, recognize there's going to be these, these detours that you're not supposed to get off. But the Lord rescues him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them is broken. So this phrase there about the bones, it's, it's used a lot in the Bible. The bones has a lot to do with the structural integrity of a person, right? You know how the, the, the prophets prayed for dry bones to be raised back up to life, right? So this is the analogy that, that, that they're talking about. So what he's saying is that he protects them completely when it comes to their structural integrity. So that when God saves, when God moves, he does it in a complete way. Because we all know, even if your skeleton is okay, but one bone is broken, you're compromised. What he's saying is that the entire, your entire being, Jesus' salvation, his, his perseverance in our life is perfect. It's complete. It's not like one part of you can be persevering while the other part is falling behind. It's the whole thing. Evil brings death to the wicked, and those who hate righteous, the righteous will be punished. This is verse 22. The Lord redeems 
Okay? He rescues. He buys back from the slave market, right? The life of his servants. And all who take refuge in him will not be punished. Now you have to bring that in context in verse 21. Those who hate the righteous will be punished, right? That their end is eternal death. Those who have a Savior will not suffer that. So what does that all mean for us today? Then? When we talk about perseverance and we, and we look at peace, the psalmist is, on, is really honest about some stuff. So he says, there's hope for those who are struggling. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. So, so God is close to us. And this is what I think, I, I think this is where, where, for me, I mess up on this. I think God's close to me in my good days and he's far away from me in my bad days. And that's not the way it works at all. Right? God usually is closer when things aren't going well. And, and that's the way we should feel. But the fact that he never moves it means that we don't need to have this roller coaster type of relationship with Jesus. That we're fine and we're bad and we're fine, depending on what's going on. It's supposed to be this steady progress in our life, right? That we grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ daily. That's what Peter tells us to do. So this perseverance is something that should go on every day to be more and more. The peace that Jesus is talking about. Here's what I want you to, to, to see. It's not the ceasing of hostility. That's not what peace is. Peace is the ability to be calm and confident that comes because we have a union with God and we understand his purpose in our life. That's biblical peace. And that's what leads to perseverance. Understanding that in the midst of things going haywire, that God is still on the throne. Let's see how John puts it. Let's look at John 14 to close it out. John 14. And we're going to go from verse 25 down to verse 31. This is Jesus speaking. John 14, beginning in verse 25, the Bible says, I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. Okay, so this is him talking about his departure, right? And a lot of them didn't get it, what he was saying at this point. Some of them missed it exactly still what Jesus' main purpose was, right? They were looking for the kingdom of God to come on earth instead of looking at them for first having the kingdom of God in their hearts, right? That was the big change here. And so he tells them that when he leaves, it's not like it's done. When he leaves, who is the Father going to send? The Holy Spirit. And we benefit from that as believers, having the Holy Spirit indwelling us. The reason why we are not just saved, but that we stay saved, is because the Holy Spirit has sealed us into the day of redemption. This body will fall away, this sinful person will still commit sin, but the part of me that's saved, my soul, will always be saved because the Holy Spirit now indwells me. They didn't have that yet, okay? But the Holy Spirit has a job in my life as well to teach me things, right? The way that we learn... From the Word of God is the Spirit of God teaching us. 
The, the Spirit of God convicts the world of sin. The Spirit of God teaches believers. And Jesus is saying, when I go away, it's not like my words end. The Spirit will continue to teach them, right? Okay, so he's setting them up for what he's about to say. He says, peace, I'm going to leave with you. My peace, I'm giving to you. But I don't give peace like the world gives you peace. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. So Jesus gives us this promise that he's not only going to not leave us, he sends us the Holy Spirit as basically the down payment for our salvation. This is what gives us our citizenship in heaven, having the Holy Spirit inside of us. He's going to teach us, but he also says, I'm giving you peace to the point if you understand this peace, which gives you perseverance, you don't have to have these long moments of grief that last because God is moving you toward, toward perseverance. So we're wanting, what we want to do is we want to see healing from trauma and replaced with a victorious walk in perseverance. That's the goal of what God is trying to do here at your time of the column. To not sweep trauma under the carpet, not forget that it happened, or say that was the old Jeff or whatever. No, no. You went through it. Now, God wants us to be able to see healing as we now now move towards perseverance. Because it's not the last time you and I are going to experience trauma. But now what the Holy Spirit does is gives us the ability to be equipped to handle it in a biblical fashion that is a thousand times better than when we first arrived. Amen? Amen. This is, these are the tools that we have. The peace, my peace I give you. And I don't give it to you like the world gives. Because the peace the world gives, you'll still have trouble. The peace the world gives doesn't last that long. The peace the world gives is the one that, that we either intake or we shoot up with. That's the peace the world offers us. Something that's quick and fast to make us numb and not think about it. That's not what God gives us. God gives us peace that's perseverance, that we invite him in, that we're thinking a lot about it, but we're thinking about it using the wisdom that comes from God. That's perseverance. You have heard me tell you, I'm going away and I'm coming to you. If you love me, you would rejoice that I'm going to the Father because the Father is greater than I. I've told you now before it happens so that when it does happen... You will believe. And if you read later on, that's exactly what happens, right? Jesus Christ is beaten, tortured, crucified. He dies. And when he rose again, when all these things start to happen, it just starts clicking for all of them. Oh, that's what it is. You know, it's beautiful to see that it happened to some people before it happened. But when it finally happens, like those disciples on the Emmaus Road, and it's like, whoa, that's what it was. So he says, this is what's going to happen. I will not talk with you much longer. Because the ruler of the world is coming. He has no power over me. But he's still coming. I want you to think about that, guys. The ruler of this world has no power. But he's still coming. And he's coming after you. But he has no power. So think about that. He's coming. You can't, you can't stop it from coming. But you definitely can stop it from having power over you. Amen. He doesn't have power. He has no power over me. On the contrary, so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do as the Father commanded me. So this is kind of our barometer. We're growing in the peace that gives us perseverance, that we do the will of the Father. Hey, there's a little song that my kids learned in Sunday school 
Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. That's true. Obedience to God's word is the very best way to show that you believe. So as you're going through things, as, as the ruler of the, this world comes and he comes and comes and tries to, tries to knock you down and to, tries to take you out, is the peace of God causing you to persevere that in the midst of the trauma, you're still following God's word. Because there's no escaping the fact that you are a child of God because of how much he loves you. It's his story, not yours. You did nothing to earn your salvation. God called you. God, God moved history to get you to this place. And so he'll keep you saved. So when you decide that you're just going to you get a day off from being a Christian because you have your, 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 your junk that you're going through, you decide to relapse because you had junk? No. God has given you the peace to persevere in the midst of trauma. It's not removed. Satan's coming. But when it's all said and done, we do the will of the Father. And just like Jesus always drops the mic, get up, let's leave this place. That's how he ends it. And that's how I'm going to end it for us today. Let's go and do what God has us to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for this time. That